Deshaun Watson is suspended six games. Kyler Murray needs to turn in his homework, or not. Receivers <laughs> get paid, and we preview the AFC East and the NFC South. Welcome to a special edition of The Clinic, talking NFL, gambling, and fantasy football. I'm Sammy Neighbor, and I have the two hooligans with me today. June, how you doing? Man, I'm feeling great in the words of Bart Scott. Can't wait. Nice, I like it. JJ, how you doing, my friend? Hey man, feeling good, feeling great. Gotta give a special shout out to our boy John. Happy shout birthday. Out. That's right, happy birthday, John. All right, to lead it off today, the big news out of the NFL today on Monday was that Deshaun Watson was suspended six games for a violation of the personal conduct policy. Uh, for those of you listening, you probably know the story that he was accused by multiple masseuses of let's say misconduct and this has been getting investigated for all the offseason well into last season and a decision was made by judge robinson who's an arbitrator between the league and the nflpa and and the statement went in relying on precedent she sought to differentiate between violent and non-violent sexual conduct judge robinson concluded that watson's conduct quote does not fall into the category of violent conduct that would require the minimum six game suspension which the league had established as quote by far the most commonly imposed discipline for domestic or gendered violence and sexual acts so the games watson would miss if the suspension is levied if the suspension levied by judge robinson holds are as follows week one at the panthers week two home for the jets Home for the Steelers, at the Falcons, home for the Chargers, home for the Patriots. Not exactly murderers row. The NFL now has three days to appeal the ruling. And this ruling reply, uh, relied on previous president. 32 different suspensions under the league's personal conduct policy since 2015. In 21 of those incidences, the league suspended the player for six games, including cases such as Darius Geis and Johnny Manziel. Greg Hardy, who was also convicted of domestic abuse, was suspended for four games. So, obviously, very touchy subject, gentlemen. But overall, just based on precedent, do you think the suspension was what we were figuring? Was it light? And what do you think this does for the Browns' outlook for the season? So, I have to start here. This is the minimum requirement of suspensions was six games. Uh, is that based right? On, based on precedent of how the league had treated this kind this of sort scenario, of cons- we'll okay say. yes correct okay so how many how many women accused Deshaun Watson there's they have like- 24 settlements 24 lawsuits 20 of them settled so far and we also okay. know without so what's what's 20 what's 24 times six because he did this a multiple to multiple people Right, and we also know beyond accusations that he admitted to using 65 different masseuses in a 17-month period. <clears throat> so go continue to go off of that as well. What? What? Did you say 65? That that's the number that's been confirmed 65. from positions. Okay, so 65 times six, 390. <laughs> so he, if he got caught every individual time, that's how many games potentially he would have to be suspended for because. They're just giving him the minimum for this account, like for this accusation, not for like every particular case, which. Correct. I don't know, man. I I know that sounds like a long time, but this is 
bad, well, dude. Right. You know what? What's happening here is Roderick Goodell is trying to protect his brand and right. his baby, which is the NFL. And we've seen this over and over again, where he protects the owners, and sometimes he'll protect the players in the best interest of his brand and his business. And this is why I'm not I'm not coming out with an opinion. I think this is a wide base opinion or statement. A lot yeah. of people don't like Goodell, dude. That's what it comes down to. Right. And so, can I play off of that and give you a conspiracy theory? What's up? So here's my theory. The league and the NFLPA a few years back allowed a what they call independent arbitrator to so supposedly independently rule the suspensions, which is Judge Robinson in this case, right? So here's the catch. The NFL can say that they had nothing to do with the suspension, but they have the right to appeal the ruling for the next mm-hmm. three days. Do you know who handles the appeals for the NFL? Goodell? No. Goodell himself. No. So... How does it look? Right now, there's outrage all over social media. I'm sure both of you and all of our listeners have seen this. Yeah. Let's say the NFL files the appeal and Goodell himself changes it to 10 games. How does Goodell look in the public eye in that scenario? It looks good. Bingo. Just yeah. throwing yeah. it out there. I think mm, that... Interesting. I, I, just, I think it's a possibility because six games is... Just in the scope with how much the league cares about image, obviously, I'm, I, I'm not even going to get into the ethical morality of this because that's obviously a discussion for everyone to have individually, but the league is so concerned about image. Right. And you know what this makes me compare it to? Is the Ray Rice scenario. I was thinking of that too, man. They Unfortunately. Can, they suspended him for two games, and then what changed? Video. They got the video, it got exposed, and all of a sudden he never played another game. Right. And I just feel like the image, the reaction is going to be so bad that Goodell is going to hand down a few more games and it makes him look good at the same time. I also think that Goodell might look at this and, and he might think like, well, Deshaun Watson did technically miss a whole season last year. Mm-hmm. And he might still he might stick with six. That could very well happen. Y- you might be right. And so just this whole thing. And I will freely say this. I love the NFL. I always have. But this kind of stuff, man, it's just it just feels dirty on the surface. And to really top this off and to make the worst part of this, when the Browns signed his contract, they obviously knew that a suspension was likely on the horizon, right? Well, the rules on suspensions in the NFL is that you are suspended for game checks and salary, not bonuses. This year, Deshaun Watson, if I remember the numbers right, got a $40 million bonus and his base salary is $1 million. If this six-game suspension holds up, of the $230 million fully guaranteed contract he got, he will lose $333,000. It just feels dirty across the board. It does feel dirty, and I've read and heard and seen some of like the comments from the Players Union and some of the fans of Deshaun Watson, which it's hard to argue where they say, we live in America where... You are innocent until proven guilty. And it just, right now it's a weird situation because 20 settlements, Mm -hmm. does that imply that he's guilty (laughs) (laughs) or he's innocent and he just wants to be like, I just want to be done with it. I just want to be done with it. You might be right. You might be right. I will say in some of the depositions that have 
surfaced online the fact that he invokes the fifth. Not a good look. But yeah. With that, you know what? It's done. We will see if there's an appeal. If not, the Browns' outlook for the season suddenly got a lot more interesting, and we will get into that more in one of our next episodes when we talk about the AFC North. Moving on for now on a semi-lighthearted note, depending on uh, your perspective on this, Kyler Murray recently signed a quarterback extension of his own, averaging around $45 million. There was a little bit of back and forth in the general public about if this was an overpay or not. Me, personally, I just think it's the cost of doing business with a playoff quarterback in this day and age. But the interesting thing about this uh, contract was that there was a study addendum in it requiring Kyler to do four hours of, quote, independent study (laughs) every week. And whereas essentially what was occurring is the Cardinals were going to send game tape back with him to take home every week. And he was essentially going to report it back like it was homework. This also somehow got in the internet. Take your shot as to who leaked it. Uh, And as a result, by last Thursday, the team took that clause out because they said something along the lines of, this was not interpreted in the way we intended. Intended. (laughs) Right. Quoting, after seeing the distraction it created, we, we removed the addendum from the contract as said in a team statement. It was clearly perceived in ways that were never intended. Our confidence in Kyler is as high as it's ever been and nothing demonstrates our belief in his ability to lead this team more than the commitment reflected in this contract. So, never seen this contract in another top tier quarterbacks uh, contract, excuse me, this clause. Now, I will disclose to our listeners that these two gentlemen, uh, as reflected by the hat JJ is wearing, are very big San Francisco 49er fans. Well, well, well. (laughs) So, seeing Kyler sign this extension and all of this that went on, what do you guys think of Kyler overall as a quarterback, as fans of an opposing team? Are you happy with it? Just what do you think of this scenario and what it means for the Cardinals going forward? JJ. So I'll start you, you, off, but you, you can start off. Yeah. The independent study part is embarrassing, which is why the Cardinals took it out of his contract. So embarrassing. Yeah. It's very embarrassing, but the fact that they had to put it in shows that, and Kyler's team, agent and himself, signed it. There was an issue. So the Cardinal fans should probably be like, hey, that's kind of weird that you have to include this clause. That should be a given for any job responsibility. It's like asking an employee, hey, do I need to put in the contract they have to be at work at 9 a.m. every day on the dot? No, it should be implied. <laughs> Tom Brady is known to study film because he wants to be great. Right. Yeah. But the Cardinals, they might have PTSD from their past quarterbacks because they've had quarterback carousels before. And that, let's not forget, Jamarcus Russell, Oakland Raiders' former quarterback, was notoriously known to get a huge guaranteed contract. And what did he end up not doing? Study film and fading out. So at least make, making your quarterback study film, it kind of ensures like, hey, like a little high school kid or elementary school kid, do your homework and you should see success within your grades or game day. I don't know, June, yeah. do you think is that weird or? No, I, I think what the Cardinals did was very weird. Like, yeah. if, if you're going to sign someone to a fat contract, you need to know what their life outside of work is like already, right? 
and bet on that. So if you're gonna spend all this money, you have to bet that Kyler Murray is gonna have the maturity mm-hmm. to balance work and life and be able to study effectively. So I yes. mean, to add that in a clause, right? To kind of force him to do it, that doesn't show like a whole lot of confidence. That's like that sliver of like doubt that could really leak into a locker room that I would be a little worried about, especially since like we have no idea how this leaked out, but I'm going to give a wild guess. Maybe it was Kyler Murray's camp. Maybe, right? Maybe. Who, I actually think that I think that too. Who else would do that? Yep. Who else would do that, right? Yep. No one in their right minds in the Cardinals front <laughs> office would leak that. So I don't know. It's a really strange thing. But what I, what I will say that's complimentary of uh, Kyler Murray is that whenever we face him, like as a Niner fan, I'm I'm worried because he's super talented. He's got legs. Yes. He could throw. Um, sometimes he's a little inaccurate. But for the most part, his explosive plays, they will happen per game. Like you could just bet on it. So. The Cardinals blew up last year too in the beginning half of the season. Yes. Right. So for whatever reason, they had a turn due to injuries or yeah. head coach. They they figured out the head coach's game plan, which probably Sammy will shed light on. But the Cardinals are a scary team. They were the number one seed in the NFC West last year for the majority of the season, and it'll be interesting to see how they perform this upcoming year. The Arizona Cardinals, sponsored by Kumon. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I will agree with you guys on, on the scope of one thing. Uh, I did see a lot of general commentary of this is an overpay. Kyler doesn't deserve this. Here's totally the reality agree. to me. The quarterback position is as deep as I can ever remember it being in the NFL right now. If you just go across divisions, across the AFC and AFC in particular and the few in the NFC, there's just so many great quarterbacks, and so you can't rely on trying to find the next one in the draft if you've got one who you believe might not be a top five guy per se, but gives you a chance to win every Sunday. And Kyler Murray at the top of his game can beat anybody, right? He hasn't been consistent enough to be at the top of his game every weekend, but we've seen what his peak looks like. And so this is just the cost of doing business in the current NFL. I mean. Absolutely. A quarterback is going to get $50 million a year the next offseason. Aaron Rodgers already got it, but that one, they're not expecting him to finish out the four years of that deal. I mean, what do Cardinals fans want? Like, do they want do they want to see Colt McCoy? Like, is that... I, I, I think most Cardinals <laughs> what's, fans are... What's your okay option here? Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you got yeah. Kyler Murray. Pay the man. And right? the thing is, the rest of that team is so good that even if they didn't have him and they just had whatever your average quarterback they'd probably go seven and ten eight and nine they wouldn't drop enough to get a top guy Agreed. so it's it's the move you have to make i think uh in this nfl now commenting on what jj said um cliff kingsbury is notorious going back to college for falling off a cliff in november in terms of his coaching record and i don't have the stats in front of me but i can assure anyone listening out there that after november his record is around 40 percent give or take it's bad. So the problem for the Cardinals this year is their opening schedule is pretty killer. Uh, I know they open with my Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And then so, from from there, go ahead. Sorry. 
I was gonna say, so is the is the coach gonna have a clause where it's like they gotta change or have wrinkles in the offense? It's gonna be the, the finals season. clause where he has to actually <laughs> issue a test that isn't the same every year. Uh, but here's their opening schedule. Home for the Chiefs, in Vegas for the Raiders, home for the Rams. They get one break in Carolina for the Panthers, home for the Eagles. Okay. That is a rough opening schedule. Yeah. Considering that you have a lot of teams that are either considered to be playoff contenders or Super Bowl contenders. If they don't start off hot this year and they keep up that November trend, this team might actually go 7-10, and 6-11. and 11. And as a little sneak preview when we get to the NFC West, I'm picking them to go right around that spot because I think that's exactly what's going to happen. That's a great point. Great point. But we will move on. Uh, one more topic before we get into our divisional previews. So the wide receiver market in the NFL just got completely reset and turned on its head this offseason. Mo money indeed. Receivers <laughs> all over the place just got paid. Some got traded and paid. So to give an example, some of the numbers here. Uh, Debo Samuel just got three years for up to 73.5 million, 58 guaranteed from the Niners. DK Metcalf got three years for up to 72 from the Seahawks. Good luck with Drew Locke, my man. Uh, <laughs> DJ Moore got three years for 62 from Carolina. Terry McLaurin got three years for 71 from Washington. AJ Brown got traded draft night from the Titans to the Eagles. Got four years for 100. And Tyreek Hill from my chiefs your boy got your boy. traded to miami for five draft picks and then signed a four-year 120 million dollar contract enjoy those bubble screens tyreek in addition to that six receivers got taken in the first round of the nfl draft just short of the record of which i believe was seven uh almost 20 years ago so let's take this from a higher level here Given this kind of money, receivers are now in the top three most or highest paid positions in the league. What's the future of the receiver position in the NFL now? And where do you guys see it going in the next five years? Well, I mean, I'm kind of biased as like a Niner fan, mm -hmm. but just being as versatile as possible, I think like wide receivers, are given a lot more responsibility other than just route running. Like they gotta be able to play inside. They also have to like get sweeps. That is Overall, great. what I will say about this group that we're looking at here is that they're all relatively young. So this new like breed of receivers coming out and they're kind of garnishing a lot of money which is going to make it super interesting with how teams are going to be able to pay other positions or how they're going to distribute that. So, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, the majority of the receivers here, if you look into their contracts, they're playing into their early 30s or when they hit 29, almost every single one of them. And Debo Samuel was, he's on the older side since the three years is being added to this year, so it's actual four years with the Niners. But I thought it was funny that Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf, they do share the same agent. And even though DK Metcalf has more guaranteed money with 100 grand, Debo had to one-up him by getting 73.5 million versus DK Metcalf 72. 72. <laughs> but shout out to Sammy's boy, Tyreek. He wanted to set the president of 
getting paid, and he is getting paid at 120 million for four years. And at, with with the process, I don't like this. He threw shots at. Come on, man, the Super Bowl MVP, the the guy who yeah, got man. you there. I don't I don't agree with that, Sammy and Jim. He, he was lucky being so inaccurate, you know, to even win mm-hmm. that Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the meme. I'm sure you've seen the meme online. Just F it, Tyreek, down there somewhere. That's apparently what Pat's been doing the last few years. I also actually forgot to add Devontae Adams' contract, which Tyreek wanted to top. Came in oh, yeah. Tyreek's deal as well. Damn. Here's the other thing I would point out to you guys that I noticed about this. If you look at these teams, the Niners, in particular the Niners, the Seahawks, the Dolphins, actually every team on this list applies on some level. None of these teams have quarterbacks getting paid in the top 10 in the league. Most mm. of these teams actually have con- quarterbacks on rookie contracts. So True. I think what's been established, and we'll see if someone breaks this, because uh, even Derek Carr makes $25 million, which for a quarterback is not a lot in today's league. I don't think the teams who are paying quarterbacks $40 million or more are going to sign players to contracts like this necessarily. The only exception is the Bills took Stefan Diggs' his contract, reworked it a little bit, added a little more money up front. Uh, Josh Allen's new contract kicks in next year, I believe, at $40 million a year. But in general, if you think about if you're paying a quarterback $40 or $50 million and then you turn around and you pay one of your receivers $25 or more, all of a sudden 30 35% of your team's going to end up in two players. So what I think you're going to see is these teams with these rookie-scale quarterbacks making trades for these receivers to pair up and try to get their quarterbacks off the ground right away and stagger it where the receivers are getting paid when the quarterbacks are not. And so, an interesting take, or not even a take, an actual factoid is that other than Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford, mm-hmm. all the past quarterbacks that won the Super Bowl won on their rookie contract. Correct. And so that's... That's the other thing that's super interesting about this, and it makes you wonder, is this a sustainable model? So are we going to see exactly. teams go the other way now, which I actually also can see this happening where the teams with the high-end quarterbacks, so let's let's again throw them out there, Green Bay, Kansas City, uh, Buffalo didn't have to do it this year, but I can just think of them off the top of my head, trade their receivers, turn around, take receivers early in the draft, keep them on these four-year deals, and then put mid-level players around them. So in the case of the Chiefs, for example, this year they drafted Sky Moore in round two, signed Juju Smith-Schuster and Martez Valdez-Scanling to go with him, trying to essentially replace Tyreek with quantity. Give themselves four weapons, try to change the look of the offense. Green Bay signed Sammy Watkins, they drafted Christian Watson. They're kind of going the same route because it's just not sustainable. So super curious to see where this takes the league in the future, how teams with these high-end quarterbacks try to give their quarterbacks them as much weapons as possible staying under the cap from there we're going to go to a short break the action never ends at DraftKings sportsbook especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before plus right now DraftKings sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars that's right make your first bet up to one thousand dollars and if it doesn't win you'll get another shot to cash in Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
All right, and coming back in now. So for those of you who have been longtime listeners of us, first of all, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, you might have heard a couple of Diagnosing the Line segments that we've done uh, on this pod before, mostly focused on NBA in the past with some NFL playoffs. That's kind of our gambling segment where we've just talked about a favorite bet we like or an individual game over that weekend. So we're going to expand it a little on this episode. We're going to do a full preview, and we're starting with the AFC East today. So in the AFC East, if you look at your divisional odds, Buffalo is the favorite at minus 225. As a reminder, what that means is that you bet 225 for every $100 you want to win back. The odds go in order then Miami at plus 450, New England at plus 500, and hauling in the rear, the New York Jets at plus 2200. So quick summary of the offseasons for these teams. Buffalo added Vaughn Miller as their big signing. Miami, as we talked about, added Tyreek Hill to catch all those bubble screens. They also added Chase Edmonds and Teron Armstead. <laughs> the New England Patriots added Devontae Parker, and frankly, not a, loss, not a lot else. Did not have the best draft. The Jets on the other side of that, not a lot of work in the free agent market. Very, very highly regarded draft. Took Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall, and Jeremy Ruckert. Split the love between offense and defense. Wilson and Hall are the names of intrigue offensively. Uh, they went in the first and second round, expected to take over number one wideout and number one running back duties. Good way to assess the divisional odds is also by win totals. So Buffalo has tied for the highest win total in the league at 11 and a half. Miami came in at minus nine. New England at eight and a half. The Jets at five and a half. Interesting fact, the Jets are among the most bet props currently to go over at five and a half, which for those of you who have done some gambling in the past, you know the term fade the public. That means the Jets are probably going to win three games. No offense, New York fans. <laughs> uh, we just got a lot of haters. I know, right? <laughs> no worries, Taro. Uh, final interesting factoids. Uh, Buffalo opened actually as the Super Bowl favorite at plus 600. Josh Allen opened at the MVP favorite at plus 700. Don't blame it. So overall, this big, all of this knowledge that we're trying to put out here and all the summary says Buffalo is a heavy favorite across the league right now. Mm-hmm. And so... They're getting some of the love, but because their odds are so low, not as much as you would expect. So the way we want to take this perspective, uh, June and JJ are a little more casual on the gambling front than I am. So I want to throw this out there to you guys. If you saw this board based on the odds, based on what you see, any particular favorite bet that you would take based on what you have on the payout, on the odds, or any other questions in general that we can kind of hash out over the pot. Well, for myself, New England, they surprised us last year. Mm-hmm. And I know you just said that their draft was questionable and they didn't really add anybody. But I just feel that with Belichick and their whole offensive scheme, it's going to get better. Okay. And I'm, I'm actually curious to see why Miami... I mean, I get why Miami's more favorite than New England is because they're super loaded up and it's all on Tua now. He has no excuses, right? Very true. Lots yeah. of pressure on Tua this year. I mean, Miami is like middle of the pack defensively, but I do like New England because last year their defense was quite good. They're yes. like a type, a top five defense. And I think that's why we got so surprised by New England. I didn't think that that Mac would come in so ready. 
you mm-hmm. would think that another year would be good, but we've seen a ton of times where quarterbacks have a sophomore slump. So that's where I, that's that's sort of the stopping point for me, where it's like I'm I don't know if I'm quite ready to invest in that. Like Buffalo looks like the runaway favorite here. It's almost mm-hmm. like a stay away for all the other teams if you're gonna toss some money into it. I, I definitely see your logic there. I would say, based on what you guys are saying, you know what my favorite bet for you two would be? Is if you like New England, I actually would take the over on the wins bet. I wouldn't touch the division. Because it's nine and eight yeah. is very attainable in that scenario. And you're getting almost even value on your money there. Divisionally, so my struggle with this is I, I do like Buffalo as a runaway favorite in the division itself. Minus 225 is some heavy juice. And so it's, it's hard to justify paying that price uh, for a divisional number. Right. So I can see the logic in the New England eight and a half. I will tell mm-hmm. you me personally, and I could end up eating my words on this, kind of like the Miami under. I think there's a lot of pressure on Tua. The offensive line is better, but still not great. And if that offensive line isn't great and his arm strength isn't great to begin with, all of a sudden you have a very horizontal offense. And you're not using yeah. Waddle and not using Hill to beat people deep if you don't have time. The defense is very solid. I will say that, particularly in the secondary. But... It feels like that's a public team this year. And the so O-line is the main concern for sure. Yes. And yeah. on the strength of schedule front, I do want to point out all four of these teams do not have a overly difficult schedule. But to go along with JJ's point earlier, New England's schedule is the 25th rated strength of schedule in the league. I will tell you this is not done according to traditional schedule strength of schedule metrics. I'm using, uh, I want to give credit to Sharp Football Analysis. They are not a sponsor of this pod or anything, but just awesome analysis every year. So I just want to plug that here is that that's what I use for the information on this one. So from there, uh, let's move into the NFC South. Wanted to compare these two because the situation is kind of similar. So in the NFC South, Tampa Bay is a huge favorite at minus 300. Uh, This year, they added Julio Jones, Russell Gage and Kyle Rudolph. So going along the lines of when you have Tom Brady on your team, you're just loading up with vets. Although compared to Tom Brady, they're all pretty young. Um, so they're a minus 300 <laughs> favorite. Uh, of note there, though, Chris Godwin is currently uh, not on PUP. He's not on the physically unable to perform list yet. Is recovering from a torn ACL. May or may not be back by week two or three, but it's still up in the air. Uh, New Orleans got Jameis Winston back and resigned him. He's coming off a torn ACL, but looks to be 100%. They drafted Chris Olave, who they traded the equivalent of five draft picks to get. So you got to figure he's going to be heavily involved. Also signed Tyron Matthew, again, from my Chiefs. Uh, signed Jarvis Landry away from the Browns. Drafted a tackle in Trevor Penning. They're a plus 360 to win the division. Uh, win total for them is eight. Carolina is coming in next. Their big addition was yet another, frankly, average quarterback <laughs> in Baker Mayfield. Uh, they also drafted Matt Corral from Old Miss. So now they have a really... Not so intriguing quarterback battle between Mayfield and Darnold with Matt Crell waiting in the wings and the coach on the hottest of hot seats in the league in Matt Rule, who has said some yeah. questionable things and just fell off a cliff last year. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey is coming back this year, so that should help them. But after season ending injuries two years in a row, you just have to wonder can he stay healthy? Uh, to help with that, they drafted a stud offensive tackle, Ekam Aquanu, who one of my favorite players in the draft, I think is really gonna help out their offensive line. Hauling in the rear, 
and I mean the rear, as possibly the worst team in the league this year is Atlanta, plus 2,800 to win the division. Their big addition was at the eighth pick in the draft, they took Drake London from USC, who should be a stud receiver, but they also lost Calvin Ridley for the whole season, ironically due to gambling. Sorry, man. Uh, gambling should not be illegal <laughs> in any place as far as I'm concerned, but we'll move on. Uh, they also traded away Matt Ryan to the Colts and signed Marcus Mariota in his place. We last saw Mariota backing up Derek Carr in Oakland, and prior to that, he was starting in Tennessee before Tannehill came along. So some interesting other uh, odds here. Tampa Bay is a clear NFC favorite, plus 300, only 3-1 to one on your money. Tom Brady is number two in the MVP favorites right now, plus 800. Other interesting note, comeback player of the year, four of the top six players, odds-wise, are from this division. Derrick Henry leads the pack, but beyond that, Jameis Winston is number two at plus 550. Christian McCaffrey comes in at plus 750. Michael Thomas, coming back from ankle injuries, is at plus 800. And Baker Mayfield is at plus 1200. So, lots of information again for you guys here. So, Tampa Bay again, clear runaway favorite, biggest divisional favorite in the league. Between the individual player awards and the divisional odds, anything you see that looks interesting, or do you feel like this whole division is a stay away? If me and Jun were in Vegas and we saw this, I would probably look over at him and be like, you know what would be, you know what's an interesting team? And Jun, you could argue with this. The the Saints. Mm-hmm. I like their pickups. I like what they've been doing. I've like their history. I'm just really not sold on their quarterback situation. Sure. But yeah. I think they seem very complete, to be and honest. And they also have a great history against Tampa Bay. Yeah. They play Tampa Bay very well every year. I'm, Jin, I'm with you. you. What do you think? I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. That's yeah? that's the one that would be probably the most intriguing outside of Tampa Bay, of course, because they're such heavy favorites. Um, I feel like I feel like there's a chance like that they could do something good this year especially if i'm looking at that win total at eight yeah. like betting the over on that i don't think is that bad of a bet if you really believe in um what new orleans is doing i like that pickup of jarvis landry also like tyron matthew i like those two um michael thomas is coming back yeah and that's another one like if i'm looking at comeback player of the year uh, I'm I'm skipping over Jameis Winston. I'm going straight to Michael Thomas. Okay, that's that's where I'm going. Um, if if the Saints are gonna have a big year, I feel like Michael Thomas has to be a huge part of that. Um, what do you guys think? I agree. I I do think Michael Thomas would have to be a part of that, and I love your logic for that. The only the only reason I would potentially take Jameis in that situation is just because quarterbacks tend to be the focus. Yeah. But I do love the odds on Thomas at 8-1 to in that scenario. Um, I think 8 is a little light for them. I actually thought it would be 8.5 and and I know on the surface it's like, well, what does half a win mean? Half a win there is also the difference between a push and some more outs Mm -hmm. and basically a team under or over 500. That's a big number. So getting them at nine is nice, uh, or getting them at eight is nice because nine and eight, just going over 500 would clinch it for them. I'm very torn on Tampa Bay. I will freely tell you, I, I love them to win the division um, because I, I think New Orleans could win nine games, maybe 10. I think Tampa is gonna, I just have this hunch they're gonna win 11 games. I think they're gonna come in under their number. Mm. 
but they're still going to win the division. But I look at that team this year. Julio is coming off of massive injuries every year. I don't think they're going to give him a full snap count. Chris Godwin's going to be coming in off of injury. Brady is obviously yeah. 45. Like at some point, they're not going to, you know, rest him for games or whatever. But you got to imagine yeah. there's going to be some more conservative game plans this year. Uh, Fournette you- came in. A little Heavy. overweight, frankly. Um, <laughs> a little. So, a tad. Um, and, you know, the tight end, they're rotating two or three guys. I do think Yeah. it might not be the lock of the century, but if they do not call Gronk in December, I will be shocked. I think Gronk is back for the playoffs. My, my thing, the reason why I think they went after Julio Jones is to do the goal line stuff that Gronk used to do. That's a great idea. So I, I really think that Julio Jones, he might not have the yardage, but I feel like he's still going to have like the touchdowns just because of that. Okay. Um, so Here, like I have a, a question for you guys. The red zone? Oh, yeah, shoot, yeah. DJ. I want both of you to answer this question for me, which is, is CMC still a top three fantasy draft player? Oh, man. So I I've, I have never seen a player that is like top five, like in both categories, which is top five, like in fantasy, like you draft him because he's available, but he could be like a top five stay away as well. It's like, it's so confusing. If you look at the draft rankings of most of the major outlets, he's still in the top three. If you look at my personal one that uh, frankly I haven't done yet, but I'm what I I'll freely admit this to our audience. I do not write my own. I take the major ones and I modify it to my liking. Yeah, he's going to be on a big run like hell away from him (laughs) uh, spot. I love his talent, love his receiving ability. I do not want to spend my first round pick on a player that I'm not sure will be on the field. The first round first round in fantasy drafts to me is not about taking the swing. It's about finding a safe, reliable option that you can pencil into your lineup every week. And until he gets back on the field, he is not that for me. So I am not drafting him this year because I will not pay the capital it takes to get him. Yeah, I don't like the risk. That's what I don't like. It's like like you could be top of the league, okay, number one, if he is healthy. But that's a big if because if you miss on that, you're going to be like the bottom of your fantasy leagues. Yep. So... Yeah, for for what it costs to get him around that area, I'm taking Dalvin Cook, I'm taking Austin Eckler, taking someone who's got a history of being on the field, even if I'm sacrificing a little bit of ceiling. Uh, It's just it's I'm just going off safety. I I need I need to know I can pencil that guy in. I'm taking my swings closer to the seventh, eighth, ninth round. Great advice, guys. So that's my thought. Good question. Uh, So overall, where I want to leave this at is just my own personal opinion. You guys can tell me what you think. My best bets. So like we talked about, love Buffalo, love Tampa, don't love their prices. So what I'm going to do is throw them together. I'm going to parlay the two to win the division. If you bet them both on DraftKings right now, you'll get a minus 109. So that's almost the equivalent of if you were just betting a single game uh, in the NFL season, like betting your plus six and a half or whatever you like. I think the only way these two lose their divisions is if one of their quarterbacks gets hurt. Otherwise, I can't see it. And so I love the odds on that. On the long shot bet front, and I need to explain this one because I think you guys are gonna give me some looks. (laughs) (laughs) The long shot bet, I like the odds on Baker Mayfield for comeback player of the year. And I will tell you why I like it. This award, more than any other award in the NFL, is about the narrative. It's about the story. 
It's the reason that Eric mm. Berry once won the once won the award when he came back from Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's the reason that Alex Smith won the award when he came back from a threat, career-threatening broken leg, and frankly was a very mediocre quarterback. But it was about the story. Baker Mayfield this whole offseason is now looked at in the NFL as that guy who was so mistreated by the Browns and just thrown by the wayside to sign a player of questionable ethics in the offseason, we'll say. So it painted him in a much more positive light, even if he didn't have the best reputation. And then he got traded for a conditional fifth round pick. If the Panthers go eight and nine, nine and eight, and he's the starter for most of that game, most of those games, particularly if he beats the Browns in week one, if he's the starter, I feel like the writers who vote on this award are going to take this award and make it his because of what he went through this offseason. So it's a long shot. I mean, 12 to one is not guaranteed money. It's far from it. I love a small sprinkle on that one just because the payoff could be big. And so that's where my logic is because the favorite in the clubhouse for that award right now is Derrick Henry, like we talked about. You've got to bet three to one on your money right now. Plus 300 is the number for Derrick Henry. And we haven't seen Uh, a running back with that kind of workload come back from an injury like that. And as indestructible as he looks, can't trust it at that number. So that's that's my thought. Guys, what, what do you think of my Baker Mayfield bet? And do you think I should no longer host this podcast? Because that was my <laughs> Just bet. watch me, June, John, and RJ. We put a bet on our with our life savings. And week one, Sam Darnold beats out Baker Mayfield for the starting quarterback job. Very possible that that could still happen. And that Mayfield will take the job by week five when Darnold is inevitably thrown four touchdowns and ten picks. But yeah. Uh, I mean, if they do announce that Baker Mayfield is is the starter, because right now it's in the air, right? It's a it's still a competition. Correct. Camp. Yes. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I don't necessarily follow that team, um, especially very during up in the training right camp. Very okay. very up in the air right now. If Baker is announced the starter, where do you see this line move? If I think at it all? goes to the Thomas line plus eight hundred. Plus eight hundred. I think you lose a lot of value <laughs> on your money, so that's why you have to take the leap of faith here. Got you. Okay. Because I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, the logic sort of makes sense. Like, the reason why you think it's an enticing bet. Mm-hmm. But I was like, why the heck is this 1200 like, That's why. That's He's insane. not the starter yet. Got you. Okay. We'll use I like John's it. wedding money that he got. <laughs> Sounds good. All well, his kids. He's, from, he's not disputing the money, all it. The money We're not going to talk money. about how he's not on here. But since <laughs> he's not disputing it, that means he agrees. So yep, There we go. It's so We're going to go with it. But that's actually all we have for today. I want to thank you guys for being on today. June, thank you for being on. Yes, sir. Thank you. JJ, thanks for being on, man, and uh, letting me spit my football rants out here for the last 40 minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Had a blast, guys. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I want to shout out RJ, our video producer. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review us. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Sammy Neighbor. This is the Clinic Special Edition NFL Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. Happy birthday, John. <laughs>